That's such a great song, isn't it? Just take a moment for allow that to settle in sometimes, isn't it? Just to feel uh, the movement of the song too as it moves uh, from Jesus' life, death and then resurrection as well. It's a fantastic song to be singing about. Uh, well, uh, as I said before, it is April Fool's Day as well, isn't it? Uh, and uh, there's been some amazing April Fool's jokes done at different times throughout history. And you know that uh, on the list of all-time greats, the number four, the number four actually happened in Australia of the all-time great uh, April Fool's jokes. And it happened in 1978. In 1978, Dick Smith, uh, the great entrepreneur and millionaire that we all know about, uh, businessman, he loudly and proudly promoted that he was going to bring an iceberg from Antarctica and bring it up sail it into uh, Sydney and he would uh, have it there. Uh, he promoted that all around the place. He promoted it on the radios, on the TV and all sorts of things. And he said it's going to happen on the 1st of April in 1978. Uh, and he said that what he was going to do, he was going to sail it in, he was going to bring it in and then he was going to carve off pieces and he's going to sell, sell them for just 10 cents each. And these special bits of ice that have been thousands of years old, when you put them into a drink, it'll give you the amazing taste that you could ever possibly imagine. And so the radio got on board, the TV got on board, they're all getting ready for it, and, that, and then it looked like it really happened. On the morning of April the 1st, 1978, these two barges brought this big, huge, what looked like an iceberg, floating into the middle of Sydney Harbour. People came out from the streets, they're on top of the roofs, they're on the Sydney Harbour, they're on the wharf, they're watching this and it was really quite helpful because it was an overcast day. So you couldn't see it that well, but as it got further and further in, suddenly it rained. And that's what they saw. Uh, after it rained, uh, all the foam that they'd put on it and all the, the shaving cream that they'd loaded up on top of this iceberg got washed away and all it was was a barge with some white sheets over the top of it. It was a great April Fool's joke though. People really actually thought this was happening. I don't know whether you, but I actually remember hearing it on the radio. Uh, I was in Tassie at the time and I was only uh, nine or ten, I think, about that stage. But I actually remember that. Uh, that's how impressive it was. An impressive April Fool's joke. Well, some people believe and think that the resurrection was actually the greatest ever April Fool's joke. Uh, that that itself wasn't real, but it was a joke, and a joke that's gone on for centuries and continued on and gone forever. Uh, people actually believe that and tell us, and we'll tell you that it never happened, that this was the greatest April Fool's joke ever. And if it was the greatest April Fool's joke ever, it was pretty powerful, wasn't it? Because that did actually change history. Movements came out of it, people changed all over the world, everything happened around it. And if it's an April Fool's joke, then it is a phenomenal April Fool's joke. And a terrible April Fool's joke if it is. Because if it is, it's so cruel, isn't it? So cruel. And it's so cruel for you and I, isn't it? If, this, if Jesus rising from the dead is an April Fool's joke, then literally, I don't know about you, but I've wasted a lot of my life. We wasted our time being here this morning. 
If you turn up on Sundays regularly, you're wasting every Sunday morning. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, it is a complete sham. It is a complete waste of time. It is absolutely pathetic, if that's the case. And people who follow that are pathetic and hopeless people. And you know, that's what the Bible tells us as well. The writers of the Bible actually say that's the case. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then followers of Jesus are the most pity people on earth. Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see whether it is an April Fool's joke or whether it is something bigger than that and changes everything. So we're going to read from the Bible. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read from verses 1 to 8. Then we're going to jump a little bit and read a few more verses. And Karen's going to come out and do that for us. And then we'll have a look at that together. Verses 1 to 8, then 12 to 19. Adam's going to have to guess which microphone that is. Number one. Sounds okay now. The resurrection of Christ. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved, and if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And then on to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. I don't know what you noticed, but all the way through it, there is that continual refrain that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it's all completely useless and hopeless, isn't it? Have a look again at what he said there, that uh, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our preaching is useless. Me standing up here this morning is an absolute, complete waste of time. All the prep I've put in for 22 years now, for every talk I've ever done, was completely wasted. Uh, And so is our faith. Our faith is useless. Jesus doesn't rise from the dead. Our faith is useless as well. 
And he goes and says, uh, then we're also liars. Then we're found to be false witnesses. That's what he's saying. Jesus doesn't rise from them, then we're lying. And if that Christ was then our faith is futile. These strong words, aren't they? Useless, lying, futile. Uh, those that have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. That actually, the people that we know and, and we loved who trust and believe in Jesus, they're lost if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead. They're just dead in the ground. That's it, nothing. Finito, all gone. And then finally he says, we are of all people to be most to be pitied. Strong words, aren't they? I don't know whether you realise it, but if you knock out the resurrection, you knock out Christianity. It is a complete farce. It is the biggest April Fool's joke if you knock it out. Jesus would have been just a nice bloke. He taught some good things and then died sadly and cruelly on the cross. Gone, finished, done with. That is it. So the resurrection and the truth of the resurrection is something that either if you don't believe in, if it's not true, wipe it out. But if it is true, then it changes everything, doesn't it? So we need to think through that, don't we? Well, is it true? Uh, if Jesus didn't rise, it's all gone. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, then there's something really we need to take account of here, don't we? And so what Paul does is that first section that we saw, he says, we're pitied if we don't. But in the very first section, he says, here's a couple of reasons why I can tell you why it is true. And what does he say? He says to us, first of all, that this changes everything. And he goes and he says that Jesus, rising from the dead, and he appeared to one person, then 12 people, then 500, and then to himself as well. Now just think about that for a moment. This isn't just a story that someone's written down and put it out there for you. It's actually been seen by eyewitnesses. Now if you lived 2,000 years ago, Paul was saying if you lived around this Jerusalem area, you could actually, if you didn't see Jesus yourself, you could go and talk to someone who did. There were actually people who lived and you can go and speak to them. Now one person... You might be able to fool them. You might be able to do a little bit of, uh, I don't know, hallucination going on for one person. For 12 people at once, that's very tough. Uh, You see the hypnotists out there, they have 12 people on the stage maybe. They might be able to get away with that, hypnotising somehow. But 500 people in one go, that is actually literally impossible. Scientists is where you cannot have five people hallucinating of the exact same thing. If you're on a drug, if you have a magic mushroom or you shoot up in heroin and you have a hallucination, all right, get 500 of a side, all shoot up together, let's see if you get the same one. It's impossible. Don't try that at home. Morning. <laughs> it's impossible to do. You cannot do that. And Paul says here that 500 people and he said you can go and talk to them you can go and talk to those five, you can talk to one of those 500 and they'll tell you that Jesus rose and then he says not only did to the one to Peter not only to the 12 not only to the 500 but to me too now you've got to know who this Paul is this Paul is a guy who was employed to go out and discredit Jesus and to kill the people who follow Jesus that was his job 
That's what he set out to do. That's what he got paid to do. That's what he was on about. That was his mission. That was his plan. And then, bang, something hit him. Now, he didn't fall over and hit his head and suddenly he just thought, woohoo, Jesus is real. He had an encounter. He had a personal encounter with Jesus and literally put his life on the line for Jesus from that moment on. Just think about that for a moment. Do you think there'd be too many people who actually were on the side of the majority, the powerful, who were getting paid to do that and paid to discredit, wipe out, destroy, would suddenly, one day, just in one moment, flip sides, not get paid, find that he's actually kicked out of home, find that he's going to be all sorts of things. He gets shipwrecked, he gets whipped, he gets put in prison multiple times, his life is on the line continually. Do you think he would hold on to that all the way to the end if this was a lie? Think about that. Paul says to us, this is true. This is real. This is no April Fool's joke, guys. This really happened. It transformed all these lives and it transformed my life, he says. Completely changed me. He says, this is no April Fool's joke. Well, if you don't think that's the case uh, for you, that this hasn't changed everything yet, uh, that you've got some more questions and you quite rightly could have some more questions and even if you think you believe in this uh, and you've trusted in it, you still might be thinking there's some stuff there, I'm not 100% sure of how this all fits together, well we're going to watch a clip and uh, they're going to go through a number of more evidences to show that Jesus rose from the dead Dude. Hey, what's up? What you reading? The Bible. You're reading the Bible? Yeah. Dude, why are you reading the Bible? For class? No, I just... Okay, so you're just reading the Bible. You're just sitting here in a coffee shop in the 21st century using state-of-the-art technology to read ancient myths for no reason whatsoever. Well... Tell me something. Are you one of those super religious people who thinks Jesus actually rose from the dead? Well, I do believe that... Do you also believe in the Easter Bunny? Santa Claus? Unicorns? Bigfoot? Ever been abducted by aliens? And do you buy into all those other ancient myths about dying and rising gods invented by primitive nomadic tribes back in the Bronze Age? No. Okay, so what's the difference between Jesus rising from the dead and all those other fairy tales? Here's the difference. My belief in the resurrection of Jesus is rational. It's based on historical facts. <laughs> facts? What facts? Well, first, Jesus died by crucifixion. Whoa, hold on. We don't even know if Jesus existed. Why should I believe your facts? Well, because the five facts I'm going to give you are backed by so much historical evidence that most professional critical scholars who study the subject accept them as true. That includes skeptical atheist scholars. Okay, so Jesus was a guy who actually existed and then got himself killed. So what? That's the first fact. Second, his disciples were convinced that he rose from the dead and appeared to them. Third, Paul, a sworn enemy of the early Christians, suddenly became a Christian. Fourth, Jesus' skeptical brother James also became a Christian. And fifth, the tomb where they put Jesus' body was empty. 
And those are well-established historical facts. Right, but you can't just leave it there. These facts demand an explanation. Otherwise, you've got a big hole in human history. Okay, here's an explanation. They all lied. It was a conspiracy, the most monumental prank ever perpetrated. His followers stole his corpse from the tomb and then started telling everybody he was alive. That's the conspiracy theory. The problem is it doesn't explain the facts. How do a few spineless fishermen, cringing in fear for their lives, subdue a bunch of well-armed, professional Roman guards, roll away a two-ton stone, steal a body, then hide it from a city swarming with people trying to find it? And why would they do it? The disciples had absolutely nothing to gain by lying about Jesus' resurrection. In fact, they were persecuted. And we have good historical evidence that five of them were martyred because of their claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Apparently not a single one of them ever recanted. People don't willingly die for something they know isn't true. They were there. They knew whether it was true or not. All right, another theory. The disciples thought they saw Jesus alive after he died, but it was just wishful thinking. They were stressed and just kind of hallucinated. The hallucination theory also lacks explanatory power. 500 witnesses saw Jesus at the same time, and the disciples touched him. Psychologists have shown that hallucinations don't work like that, nor does this explain the empty tomb. Okay, look, maybe there's some other explanation, but the bottom line is dead people stay dead. Rising from the dead would be a supernatural event, a miracle, and science has proven that miracles don't happen. Oh, really? When did that happen? I don't know. I just kind of heard it somewhere. Science has not disproven miracles. In fact, that would be impossible. Why? Science deals exclusively with natural phenomena, physical matter and material processes, right? Uh, yeah. But a miracle, by definition, is not a natural phenomenon. It's supernatural. So? So a supernatural event would lie outside the boundaries of science. It's logically impossible for science to throw out any hypothesis that lies outside its boundaries. Why have I never heard this stuff before? I don't know. Maybe because it's scary? Scary? Yeah. As long as Jesus rising from the dead is just a fairy tale, like Santa Claus and unicorns, it doesn't threaten my little world. But if it's a fact, if he actually did rise from the dead, that's huge. It's a total game changer. And that's why it's so hard to think about it objectively. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big world. Now, I'm not sure where you're at. I'm not sure where you're thinking, but there's some stuff to think about, isn't there? If you're not sure whether Jesus rose from the dead, there's some great evidences to show that he did. Uh, if you do believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then there's some great evidences to assure you that what you believe is not a fairy tale. Because you see, Jesus rising from the dead is a game changer. Uh, it completely changes everything. It throws everything into chaos uh, and changes the whole of the world and changes our lives. Uh, Jesus is a game changer for the whole of the world, but he's also a game changer for you and a game changer for me. And the resurrection itself and the proof of the resurrection itself was a real game changer for me. Uh, I grew up in a family that went to church. Uh, well, not my family, but my grandparents did. And I used to go along to Sunday school and do those bits and pieces. And, uh, you know, it was a good thing to do. Uh, but generally I thought, it's just something that you do. Nice old people there. 
My grandmother played the, the old organ and it was lovely. I could go up and see her after the service and have a chat to her. It was lovely and my grandfather actually built the building that we used to go to. So it was a nice thing to do, but by the time I got to my teens, there were a whole lot of other things that were good to do and felt a lot more attractive, like sport and girls. So that threw that church side out of the thing. I'd go occasionally, but not really. It was just a nice thing, but it really, sport was it, and then girls, if they didn't interfere with the sport. It was great. That was what life was about. And so that's what I did. I got involved and did that. Uh, and at about the age of 17, uh, a guy came to our town, which was Launceston, by the guy by the name of Bill Newman. It's one of those guys back in the days when he used to do the big crusades, a bit like uh, Billy Graham, uh, who's just died recently. He sort of was, Bill Newman was doing it around Australia. And anyway, he was in our town for the weekend and a uh, big tent was set up. You know, I wasn't going to go, but I spoke to a mate of mine that maybe if nothing else crops up, we might stick our heads in and have a look. Anyway, on the Friday night before it, I was uh, working at the 10 pin bowling alley where I used to work at the time and I was trying to ring up this girl to go out with her uh, and I thought well I'll go out with her on the weekend I kept ringing her all night uh, right up till about 10.30 anyway, couldn't get hold of her, it was before mobile phones guys, couldn't even text her, I couldn't Facebook her, couldn't Snapchat her, couldn't Instagram her, couldn't do any of that, I literally had to actually pick up a phone and dial the buttons. Uh, and I couldn't get hold of her, so I thought, ah, oh, well, stuff, that means obviously that's not going to work out. Uh, and so the next day I, I spoke to a mate of mine and we said, let's go to the Bill Newman thing and have a look. Well, when we went to the Bill Newman crusade, uh, I'm not 100% sure now what I heard, but what I did feel and what I did see and what I did hear was about this guy called Jesus who loved me so much that he went to the cross for me and he rose again. And when I heard that, I literally was compelled by his love his love for me, that he would literally go for the cross for me, for all the stuff I've done wrong, to save me. So I made a decision that day to actually follow Jesus. I thought, this is a good thing to do. Uh, and I did. And I started to do that. But it was this little nagging feeling underneath, you know, is this Jesus stuff, you know, is the resurrection, well, that doesn't seem to be right, does it? I mean, yeah, he loves me, but can he really rise from the dead? So I was compelled by his love but I still hadn't got the conviction that maybe there was some doubt there. Uh, when I went to university I got involved with a Christian group there called Navigators and that Christian group they were great and one of the things they were really good at was they made you think and they gave you lots of evidence to make you think about stuff and at that time they really rammed home to me the evidence about Jesus rising from the dead. And I went through a whole lot of those things, the swoon theory, the conspiracy theory, uh, a number of other things about what possibly could have happened. And you worked through those things and you thought through those things and then you looked at the scriptures and then you looked at extra documentation in history as well, uh, outside the Bible. And when you put it all together, you really couldn't doubt the fact that this is true. And it really convinced me. So I was compelled by the love of Jesus but I was convinced by the resurrection of Jesus. And it changed everything. It changed my whole thinking about life since then. And after that point in time, uh, I just thought I would take this on a lot more seriously. And that was, yeah, it won't tell you how many years ago. Uh, but now that's like 30 odd years ago, 30, 33 years ago, 32 years ago, uh, that that convicted me and convinced me. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
Because I was convinced and convicted that Jesus is the life changer and he's the life giver and his resurrection is true and it changes everything. It changed my life, it changed my understanding of life, it changed the fact that I knew that I had a resurrection in eternity as well, that life from here on, it's not just worms in the grave for me, it's life everlasting with a risen Jesus forever. That just changed everything and it gave me a sense of what life's about now, doesn't it, too? It's not just all pie in the sky in the end, but it's actually here and now. That this Jesus gives us faith, hope and love. Now, we live by faith and trust in Jesus now. We live to love others like Jesus now and we have hope of an eternity with Jesus now, too, that gives us the motivation, the impetus and the purpose to live life now. And this can be for all of us. Jesus says it's just, you just need to come to him. And a simple way of thinking about doing that is sorry, please and thank you. You come to Jesus and you say, sorry for wanting to run my life my way. Saying, please forgive me for the stuff I've done wrong. For we heard on Friday being foolish. And thank you for dying and rising again for me. It's as simple as that. Sorry, please, thank you, and that changes life now and forever. That's what Jesus does. You see, the resurrection is no April Fool's joke, guys. It is truth, it is real, and it changes everything. Can I encourage you to think that through more? Maybe you're still trying, maybe you're still working through that stuff. If you are still working through that stuff, don't stop now. Spend some time. Give me a call. Ring me. Inside your service sheet is a, a contact or a connect card. Fill that in. Stick it in the box out the back and I'll get back to you very shortly. If you know someone here who's a follower of Jesus, sit down and talk to them. Don't leave today. Don't leave it for another day. Do it today. Find out about him now. Or if you've been convinced this morning, if it's all come together for you this morning, then do that. Sorry, please, thank you. Pray to God and ask him to take control of your life and then see how he's going to transform your life. If you're sitting here this morning and this has been something that you've believed for a while or for a long time or a short time, I pray that this morning has been a really great invigorating for you. That it's given you a real sense of surety with what you believe in, that you are not to be pitied above all else that your faith is not useless, that this is not a lie. But this is about Jesus, the game changer, the life changer, the life giver, the one who loves you so much, desires you to be in relationship with him now and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, this day... When we celebrate and remember that Jesus rose from the dead, sometimes we have doubts, sometimes we have questions. Lord, we pray that this morning as we've looked at your word and then we've heard uh, the video, as we've thought through it, Lord, and heard testimony about you being real and rising from the dead, that it's a fact, Lord. We pray, Father, that you will uh, take that and uh, pour that into our hearts, Lord, by your Spirit that you'll transform our hearts, Lord, to be people who are sure of our hope in the resurrection of Jesus.
that means that we can be sure of our hope of resurrection with you in eternity. Heavenly Father, we pray today that that uh, will excite us, will enthuse us, will transform us, will change us, Lord, and change our lives, Lord, and that we won't leave from here today, where however we came in today, we won't leave the same, that today we'll be, leave this place changed by you, Lord. And Lord, that change will move and transform our whole life today and for the rest of our lives until we meet you, Lord, in paradise, in eternity. We ask and pray, Lord, that your spirit will do that work within us by his power, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.